two o'clock, Mutiny Radio listener. It's two o'clock here on MutinyRadio.fm. And you know what time it is. It's time to talk about God and cats and conspiracies and coronavirus here on Some Call Me Tim. Some Call Me Tim here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm going to be joined by special phone-in caller Alyssa Westerland, hilarious comedian. Hilariously, there she is. Alyssa Westerland. What up? I there somehow dialed the wrong is. number and got a very weird answering machine and was like, what the fuck? I didn't even smoke any weed today. Like, it's <laughs> You haven't smoked any weed yet today? What are, what are you... Are you out? <laughs> no, I will never run out. Um, but I... No, I just, I, I've been trying to maintain my normal routine, and I normally don't smoke weed during the day. And that started about five years ago because I just started getting, you know, my metabolism changed or whatever, and I just started getting way too high. Really? So I, yeah. I just, like, I couldn't perform Off smoking high. it or off of eating it? No, oh, anything. Like, anything. It was basically like before bed or after set, but not before because if I went on stage stoned, it would just be like, wait, I, what are my jokes? You know, you just wow. pause, you know, in the middle of your setup and then start wondering where you are. And I don't know. It was just, I was just getting too high. You just, it, you, you lost, it wasn't giving you clarity. It was doing the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> it was, so, yeah, it was so it obfuscating your jokes from you. are like, I can't, it, I'm working way too hard here. Do you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your endocannabinoid system changed. You just think that you're... Because you, did you used to be able to smoke pot, like, all the time, every day? Oh, my God. I literally, I would, I had, like, I would just have, you know, 10 joints on me. I would, I was, I, you know, every every break at work, I was smoking. If I was driving somewhere, I was smoking. If I was, you know, if I was not doing, I mean, any time I, you know, could be smoking a joint, I had a joint going. It was just constant. But, sure. uh, yeah, for years. And then, uh, you know, my dad came down on me really hard and was like, well, if a, uh, you need to stop smoking weed. And I'm like, well, you need to stop telling me I'm too aggressive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to do you a favor here, people. Okay. Like this is the only thing that calms me down. And, uh, and then it, and then it just shifted. So yeah, now I'm a bedtime smoker only. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Unless, you know, I have a killer set and I'm about to go home anyway, but yeah. Like, I, okay. I just, I love, I smoke, I love all the pots. I love all of them. Weed is the only energy I need. I feel yeah. like, uh, people say, oh, it makes me so tired or whatever. Like, if I smoke pot before bed, I'm going to write another poem. Like, I'm like, oh, shit, now I'm up and I got to do something. It's, um, yeah. I, for whatever my body chemistry and weed are like, it's like speed. Weed speed. Weed speed. Yeah. I love it. No, that's great. There oh, was man. a, there's a cannabinoid they were trying to, um, they were trying to isolate, and it's like weed speed, and it's called, C- it's not, CBN is the nighttime one. C- CBA? I'm trying to remember. I don't, I need to, I need to look it up again and stuff, but I wish that they'd, because you know in all the tinctures and they can divide things, there's a cannabinoid in there that makes it, like, super speeds you up, and uh, I want to isolate it and keep it forever, like the weed Adderall. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. Hell if yeah. we could just. Oh, that would, I would, I would do that, because... I mean, boy, do I love stimulants, but uh, they're not good for people like me. You know, like, it's like I'm already, cocaine is just a weird drug for me. It's like, 
I'm already hyper. It kind of calmed me down, and I, that's like when I finally realized that they were right. I was like, I think I do have ADD because I'll just get so, you know, like I can actually listen to all the other assholes, you know, <laughs> like right. which is amazing. I'm like, wow. I mean, like I thought I would be more frustrated right now, but I'm right. actually okay. Since I have to listen to this guy talk about his favorite cat from when he was five years old, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, or Those how we're the... gonna change the world, or how the world's gonna end. You know, nobody ever mentioned this potential. Um, yeah, like, really? <laughs> How the world's yeah. going to end. How did you think the world was going to end? You know, I didn't think it was going to. I, I didn't. I thought, you know, if anything, because I, you know, so, you know, to get on topic, I guess, you know, I was born in a cult. They thought that this guy made so many predictions. Robert Burton made all these predictions um, throughout his, I mean, he's probably still out there making predictions. I don't know where he lives. He got, he got booted. Um, he got, uh, whatever you call that when they kick you out of the country. Um so basically, he can't come back now. But he said that California was going to fall in the ocean in 1994 or 90. No, maybe it was 97. I don't know. Something like that. California was supposed to fall in the ocean. And uh, the town I grew up in, Oregon House, California, was going to be an island. And, uh, you know, he had basically all of our European members, because there were about 2,000 members in Oregon House or maybe 1,200. I don't know how much it was in Oregon House. But total, we had like. 3,000 members, so all of the European uh, members flew into this, like, to Sacramento and drove up to this tiny town of Oregon House to um, wait out the uh, the apocalypse together. Wow. And it, it was kind of like what's happening now as far as the grocery stores. They weren't allowed to leave um, the, basically, the radius of whatever he thought the island would be, so the size of the island was their parameters, and so they couldn't go to the actual town of Yuba City or Nevada City to go get groceries, or they couldn't even go to Sacramento, so they cleared out the Oregon House grocery store, which is, like, the equivalent of, you know, just, it's like a couple convenience stores put together. Sure. I mean, it's a grocery store. It has lettuce and stuff, but they couldn't go shopping anywhere else, so we had no food. So all the locals who lived there had to drive all the way, you know, to town, which is 25, 30 minutes to get to a real place. You were and, a teenager uh, at this time, right? You were like 12 yeah, or something? Yeah, I was a pre-teen. Yeah, I, pre I think I was in sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. And, and they I, told I, you the world was ending, and you believed it. Or were you like, well, this is a pile of dog shit? We didn't believe it. Well, my parents left when I was five, but we still knew all the, mem oh. all the members. So we knew of this prediction. He made this prediction, you know, a decade before it actually went down. So, sure. um when it actually went down, we, we were informed, but we were no longer in the cult. So we were like, oh, this is horseshit. And we were pretty much, as ex-members, we were the only people in the town that knew what was going on because the, the members of the Fellowship of Friends didn't tell the locals why all of a sudden there were 20, you know, Why there was no food Europeans. left. Why they hoarded all the food from the, from the town's grocery <laughs> store. Yeah, they didn't tell anybody. We just thought it was they were having some weird gathering, but it ended up being three months. They were not allowed to leave. And, um, yeah, they, yeah, they bought everything. And they just held up an Oregon house and waited for, you know, the, the California to fall in the ocean. And it just never did. In the meantime, the leader, Robert Burton, sold a bunch of oceanfront property to people in China, sight unseen. He found a lot of um, people with money. I mean, that's how you get cult, 
you know, you, you just find these rich people and you tell them how amazing they are and then they give you a bunch of money. And uh, basically oh, that's what he did. Start a cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how you start a cult. You got to just, you know, lick the butts of a bunch of really rich people. So he sold all this property that he owned in Oregon House to these people, sight unseen. And then after the prediction didn't happen, one of the women uh, who bought a piece of property came to Oregon House and was like, what the fuck, motherfucker? This is not oceanfront property. He sold it at o- he- oceanfront, but it wasn't oceanfront yet. That's <laughs> fucking yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So he gets sued up, you know, uh, by, oh, by these so people funny. he sold the property to. Um, and then, you know, everybody, you know, a bunch of people left, obviously, after this prediction didn't, you know, didn't come to fruition. And um, so there was another mass, mass exodus from the cult. We were a part of one of the first mass exoduses because um, that's when basically he was accused of molesting this child who was uh, who had grown up who was like 18. And he came out and he said, hey, Robert Burton's been touching me since I was a child. And my parents, you know, they, they had been in the cult collectively for 30 years, so they knew this little boy when he was a baby. They wow. watched this kid grow up, and they were like, holy shit, you mean the whole time? He was doing this to you the whole time? And my parents just freaked out, and they were they were two of the first people to leave. And then after my parents left, a bunch of other people uh, left, so they lost about half of their members. Shocking that a lot of the members stayed. <laughs> um, right. Well, did they not believe? Did, did the... Did the leader make some subterfuge? Say, well, no, it didn't really happen. Or, or did he acknowledge it in any way? Or I, I can't remember because I was so young. Uh, I could ask my parents about that. But he, no, they basically said, of course, this is a, a load of horseshit. But <sighs> then other children started saying oh. it too. So it, and then you know, obviously the kids who were in the cult were afraid to say anything. And then a lot of the parents were kind of in a weird way, like because this guy Robert Burton. I had a thing for kids, had a thing for little boys in particular. And to do this thing that he was doing, he started off, his cult started in Berkeley, California, where I live now. And he was an elementary school teacher who had a van and would prophesize outside of his van in Berkeley. And eventually he he got fired from the school that he worked out and he had enough of these people who were, you know, standing around his van listening to him talk about consciousness that they, they found this piece of property. One of his rich members found this piece of property and said, hey, you can start your little, you know, wild, wild country thing over here. And then and then that's when they all moved out there. And my mom, like, so a lot of his uh, members were Europeans, and my mom met the cult in, um, in New York and then traveled all over Europe because he had all these teaching houses set up. Rich people would basically give one of the one of their houses to this guy, and it would have multiple rooms, and they would do teaching whatever. They would have classes about consciousness. So, in, in and case he was selling enlightenment. Like, was this sort of Buddhist, or was he making up all of his own ideas? Was uh, it no, based he sold in anything? All of his ideas. He well, basically, Ospensky and Gurdjieff. He uh, had, um, I guess, uh, Gurdjieff was the original. Uh, guy who created this concept of the fourth way which was combining the way of the yogi the way of the fakur and the way of the monk and making it the fourth way so this combined combining of mastering the mind mastering the, the body and mastering the emotions um and then and if you mastered all three of those things that would culminate in the fourth way uh basically you know mastery over self which would lead to ultimate enlightenment and you would become some conscious 
being and uh, you would no longer be food for the moon, which was what they called people who were not members. Food for the moon. Yeah. Because something at and that's a that's an interesting metaphor because it's it has something to do with night or I mean the moon is usually like feminine knowledge so what are they saying food for the moon <laughs> yeah you know it was well so I spent like Gurdjieff was kind of a cool t- dude he wrote Basil Bub's tales to his grandson I don't know how to say the word but um it was he he wrote all these cool books and he had all these cool ideas and his whole thing was. Do not follow me. I'm not a leader. You shouldn't follow anyone. Gurus are assholes. Um, and then one of his main students, Ospensky, was like, yeah, but the people want to follow us, bro, so I think we should just let them follow us. And Gurdjieff and Ospensky, at least this is my you know, my, my chopped-up history of what happened, but uh, Gurdjieff rejected Ospensky. Ospensky went off and started this school of, you know, of thought, the fourth way. And Robert Burton wasn't exactly the most creative guy. He just he found this way, and uh, and then decided to start you know telling everybody this was it. And he got enough people that it, it worked out. And they they built a winery. And, wow. Um, my, my dad built it. Yeah, Renaissance Winery. If you look it up, it's still a thing. There's still an old man out there trying to make wine, and um, it was award-winning wine for. Uh, for many years, it was like really good, good shit. I mean, there were certain vintages. If you got a bottle of it, I think there was one Syrah they called the Ink, and it was hallucinogenic. And Whoa. I've heard tales, you know, from all of the ex-members about the Ink and how this this was the best wine they've ever had. And then real professional wine people, you know, whatever they're called, sommeliers. Sommeliers, or, yeah. Yeah, sommeliers. They 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 said, hey, this shit's actually really good. And then they had a bunch of really, really bad years, and now they basically just got, because people found out where the wine was coming from, a child molester, um, (laughs) they stopped being able to sell the wine, and now they literally just have a storeroom full of these just cases and cases of wine that's basically unsellable because nobody wants to... Oh, I want this cult wine. Oh my <laughs> no, God, I want you... this cult wine. Where I, when the looting happens, I want to go up there and break into this fucking place. <laughs> That's going to be... It, the, the, it's interesting, the fourth way, because it kind of takes from the middle way, so you have sort of a Buddhist component. And it does, that doesn't sound too bad to have mastery over... If I could have mastery over my emotions, Jesus Christ, I'd be such a better person. Like, I get it, like, mastery over the physical, like, being all yogic and having control over your body and being flexible. Get it. And, like, the spiritual component. But that f- that third component of being, like, emotionally in control, wow. Oh, that would be I know. cool. I'd follow that Yeah, what that a guy. novel. I mean, what a – I mean, I think everyone, in a sense, like, I still – you know, I was raised by these people. And then when the mass exodus happened, my parents basically just – they maintained hanging out with the people they'd been in the cult with. So in certain ways, we never really left the cult because, um, you know, both of my parents, when I talked to them about it, are like, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I learned so much. You know, yeah, it really sucks that he was a terrible, evil guy. Um, but they're both, they both expressed major gratitude for the leader of this cult, despite the fact that they found out later he was a terrible person. So that part was always interesting to me because we do this all the time, you know, where they say, you know, separate the art from the artist. And you've got, you know, you've got the Bill Cosby's of the world. You've got all these people who provided us with something amazing, and then they, it turns out they're awful. And, you know, the people that, that were there with him are still like, yeah, we love this guy. And, uh, we, you know, we couldn't, 
we couldn't stay, you know, every student. We didn't have any traffic if it weren't for these people um, because they were being in the moment and they wanted to upset other people, right? So instead of expressing their own negativity, they were trying to inspire it in others and yeah. they really enjoyed this. That's so funny, though, because they're probably standing there and they're like, well, we're having this enjoyable conversation and we need to have this moment together in the now. And then yes. while doing that positive thing, they're actually being so negative to so many other people. That's so, like, short-sighted and insular. I love it. Just that it's yeah. so we're so blind to our own happiness that we don't see how we're literally causing a traffic jam and pissing people off. That's, mm -hmm. wow, that is so passive-aggressive. It is so like violently passive aggressive i love it <laughs> oh yeah the whole thing was like that i mean because if, if you did use the word no or never or not or whatever or you swore everyone in the room would look at you and someone would do this thing where they would actively point at you and they did what they called photographing and they would say pam you're being negative right now <sighs> and then, so literally you had like all these people kind of like uh, I don't God, the word just slipped my mind, but all these people enforcing it. Food so for it was, the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would just so you would just get photographed and then everybody would be staring at you. Oh, that's what it looks like. This negativity. See, you're the negative one, not me. And I mean, just the act of calling someone out is kind of just like a dick move. Just let them have their moment, right? But no, you have to photograph them. You have to shame them. I mean, it's an effective way of shaming people, right? Yeah. Now you're pointing at this person and you're telling them you're being negative. And I'm like, of course, the person who's being photographed feels like shit. Yeah. It's like, oh God, okay, I'm so sorry. You know, what do I do now? I didn't mean to be negative. Like, could you put the finger down? Like, Stop pointing at me. So, um, right, and yeah, shaming were... and and actively shaming someone for having a legitimate emotion or a legitimate feeling. That's, I. That's it's so subversive. It's, it's so. It's gaslighting at its finest. You know, it's like shame is shame is an effective motivator. I don't. Th I don't think it's the best motivator. I don't think that fear or shame are the best motivators, but they're fucking effective. <laughs> they yeah. work. Yeah, they definitely work. Well, and then people like my, so they had typing, a typing system. They used, they created their own version of the Enneagram, and then they used that to type people. And in I, that A Enneagram? I don't know what an Enneagram is. The Enneagram is like a, this star that has different points on it. Some people are familiar with it. It's like astrology or tarot or any mm. of these weird mythical ways of identifying, I don't know whatever, but it, it's kind of like saying you're a Sagittarius or a Capricorn or whatever, sure, but sure. they would, you're either a, you know, you're a jovial, you're a Venusian, you're a lunar, the lunar is associated with the moon, Food the for sun, the moon, baby. You don't want to be lunar in this, in this cult. Yeah, yeah, Kaiser knows the one with numbers in it, so I'm an eight in the number one, and I'm a marshal in the, in the, the cult weird version of the Enneagram, but um, the marshal is the most negative type in the Enneagram. So my mother is, like, you would probably be categorized as a marshal as well because we're intense, we're active, aggressive types, right? Sure. We say what we want, we do what we want, we're not afraid of confrontation. Um, and those types are obviously the most negative. Most of the other types are a little bit more passive-aggressive or controlling in other ways. Like, the, the marshal doesn't, or the people like us don't try to control people without their awareness. We tell them what we're doing. Right, we exactly. We tell them why we're I, mad. Yeah, I've been practicing radical honesty, and not a lot of people like it, but that's, like, <laughs> my new game is radical honesty. I'm not 
going to pull any punches because we're at the end of the world anyways. And I'm going to be honest about my feelings and no subterfuge anywhere, no surreptitious nature. It's all above board. And it's been weird, but it's been great. It's been incredibly freeing to not hide anything and not feel like and, and, you know, express what I'm feeling to people and express my needs and what I want. I've been, like, all into boundaries and shit. Like, anyway, trying boundaries to Boundaries are so good. I know. Boundaries are the <laughs> best. I have, I've always had so many boundary issues. And, and I don't know if it's my incredibly religious upbringing that made me have, like, I, I in the past, I have not respected anyone's boundaries. And it's taken me to be recently in my 40s to realize like holy fuck I just have not been respecting anyone's boundaries forever but also because I didn't respect my own boundaries or create them for myself so I didn't see the value in other people having them so I would just like trounce on them and be like yeah fuck you but now I'm realizing that stuff's important like if I mean and expressing where your boundaries are and then holding to them it's I don't know it's really powerful stuff that I've never acknowledged before yeah. I guess yeah and now I'm realizing like shit I've been fucking pretty manipulative and and it's only because I maybe pretended not to recognize other people's boundaries Ooh. so yeah, yeah. I'm learning well that's a good way of doing it too it's like um okay is this actually video uh it's like yeah no no it, well it's interesting because if, if you don't recognize other people's boundaries then you it's like a weird way of like protecting yourself from um from all the times that your boundaries are being stepped on it's like you get you get to get back you know it levels the playing field you don't have to have boundaries and then you don't have to respect their boundaries so it's just kind of like this circle of just like okay let's all shit on each other right now like um I mean, it's, I don't know. Boundaries are really tough because it's it's hard initially to gauge whether or not it's like, is this reasonable? And I'm like, well, if it bothers me and I don't like it and it's not going to hurt anybody for them to not do this thing, then it's, then I can have this boundary, right? Like, I mean, it's I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, is my boundary reasonable? Is this a reasonable thing? Like, Please don't, please don't have sex with me while I'm sleeping if I don't know you. Um, is that a reason? No, I'm joking. Oh. Well, and so now here's the thing. This is a boundary that I used to, I used to think it was funny. And I guess I must, I was working out some of my own issues, but I used to, this is years and years ago. This is like maybe eight, ten years ago. I always thought it was funny if I had a boyfriend type person who was sleeping over to when they have a boner in the morning, just kind of get on top and they wake up inside me and then I laugh at them and then say like, I'm gonna, I know I was just raping you, but I'm going to make you breakfast. And I didn't think for a long time, I thought that that was like me being coquettish and cute, but I was kind of, I think, raping boys. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a, yeah. Like what a powerful realization to be like, wait, that was not okay. Well, I think <laughs> a lot of women have certain, like now that like, I've seen a lot, like, we don't handle rejection that well, and there are a lot of times, like, I've had women physically, like, grab me and touch me in ways that I'm not, and I used to do that a lot. My girlfriends used to, like, slap my ass, and I'd slap their ass back. One time, this woman actually hit me so hard in the back that, like, just right at the the coccyx or whatever that, right, right there at the end of your tailbone, and she slapped me so hard, my back actually hurt for a week. Whoa. And I was like, you know, if a guy had, because I turned around and I almost punched her in the face, and then I saw it was my friend. And I was like, what are you doing? And 
she would do this. Uh, she did this shit all the fucking time. Like I was with my boyfriend's family at Thanksgiving, and I invited her because his brother, who was recently divorced, thought she was cute. So I was like, "Oh, I'll invite you to Thanksgiving. It'll be a great way." And instead of trying to flirt with this boy who thought she was, you know, she was cute, she was groping my leg in front of my 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 boyfriend's mother. Wow! Just like, and then like sliding it really, really close, you know, to my. And I was like, "What? What are you doing?" You know, and she just had major fucking boundary issues, and sure. I eventually left, like, got rid of her as a friend. But I've I've noticed women have this issue where being told no. Like, men are so in it. Like, no is just the words they hear the most, I think, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just constantly, I mean, they just, like, they put their their balls on this chopping block before us, and then we decide whether we're going to accept or reject or, you know, or mutilate them, right? And it's just like, oh, hey, I think you're cute. Oh, no, you don't. You fucking creep. I hate you. Now I'm going to cut your balls off. And, like, they do this every time they, they even try to interact with a woman. It's just like, okay, is this woman going to cut my balls off or not? Like, what's right. going to happen? What's going to happen? And they eventually adjust. You know, the younger men have a harder time, and then eventually they get older, and they go, oh, it doesn't matter. And she's not actually going to cut my balls off. It's just going to kind of sting for a second. And um, But w- women just haven't – I mean, I see it in myself when I get rejected. And I, I mean, I'm a very forward – like most of my, like a lot of my partners, and I've had so many. It was, but it would be me. I would just walk up to him and be like, "Hey, what, what's up? I got a bed. Come with me." You know, and <laughs> and a lot of guys said no, and sure. I would go, "Oh, okay." And then I would go to another guy, and I was doing this because I wanted to own my sexuality, and I was corny as hell, and I right. wanted to have the partners I wanted, not sure. just the partners, you know, that chose me, because the guys who picked me weren't always the guys I wanted. Right. So I was just like, "Okay, well, I'm going to do what the dudes do." And I got rejected a lot. And then, you know, it was just one of those things where you, you hear no enough, it stops hurting. Right. And you're just like, oh, okay, cool. And then you're still friends with the guy, you know? Oh, that guy didn't want to fuck me. That's fine. And then usually a week later, he would come back and he'd be like, hey, remember that thing you said last week about you having a bed? Like, do you still have that bed? And I'm like, nope, got nope, rid of the nope, bed. Don't, don't have a bed was... anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a one-time offer, buddy. Uh, that special is no longer available. And now uh, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it's just it's just one of those things. So I think that women in, and boundaries are a trippy thing in general, and it's something that, as far as like being a feminist goes, I think the real goal is that we we empower ourselves to relieve the burden of, like that men are carrying. Like we put all the shit on them, and they empower themselves to relieve us of that same you know, the, the corresponding burden, right? Yeah. You know, we're supposed to baby them forever, right? right. Or we're, we're supposed, supposed to... to look a certain way or be a certain way or be soft or be agreeable or however the, you know, whatever the feminine guise is or that whatever right. they expect us to be. We're supposed to be a little, a little cowering daffodil and, you know, either the Madonna or the whore or the, whatever archetype you want to stick me into. Yeah, what do you want right now, sir? I will perform for you, whatever yeah. that is. And the men are doing the same thing. I mean, they're out there. Like, my brother used to have this major, like, complex about it because he knew that we wanted this big ego and this, this kind of, you know, this this man who just doesn't have any feelings, isn't going to cry about anything, doesn't right. have any problems, is never scared, is never weak, you know, um, has all the money, has, you know, is good-looking, has all his shit together, and then – you know, so we're we're expecting them to fill those shoes, and then they're mm-hmm. expecting us to fill these shoes, and then it's like the actual feminism would say, "Hey, everybody, let's just take our shoes off. You feel how you feel. You feel how you feel. Take like, your shoes off. Like, leave them at the door. You're fine. Yeah, just leave them at the door. It's it's 
it's totally chill. And then, then ideally in that, you know, we stop burdening each other with this idea of how we're supposed to act. And then we have equality because we're not for, I mean, like a lot of feminism that I see now, it still requires men to be the providers, to do all the stuff, to, right. to never have emotions, to never be, you know, scared, to always be the strong person. And then the women are like, <clears throat> I want to do this other thing, but I'm still going to uphold you to the standard of man, you know, what is a man, man? Right. And it's just like, ladies, we got to give them the same thing we're asking for, okay? Yeah, we have Exp- to let them- space to express your emotions and to set up your own boundaries. And I actually have, this is kind of sick, I have a lacrimation fetish. I love watching men cry. I <laughs> fucking love it. I get super wet and super hot about it. I love it. I'm a monster. No, I don't like force my boyfriend to cry or anything. But when he, I do, seeing men like be vulnerable is my biggest turn on. Like that would, oh, I would, it, am I, I'm a sick person. But like, even in movies, if I see a guy cry in a movie, I'm like, oh, oh, like it's, it get, it gets me right in my tingly parts. I just, <laughs> I just love it. I'm like, look at him be so vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, no, but it is kind of a turn on. Like, I, I mean, I've had the same reaction to men that I've been with when they actually start being vulnerable. I'm just like, oh, baby, come here. Like, yeah. cry on my breast. Just, I want to. Oh, I want to, I love me. it. I want to snuggle him. I want to hug him and be like, it's going to be okay. I'll make you yeah, some cookies. I mean, I get to be the strong one, which yeah. is like my thing, you know, yeah, and I'm sure. like, oh, honey, I got this. Let's, I can solve your problem now, you know? Like, you're always trying to fix shit, or should I just shut up and let you cry? What do you want? What do you want? Like, like, like and, um, um, I, I, I don't know, but yeah, I totally get that. It's not actually a, a monster kink i mean unless you are going around doing no i'm trying i'm not like i'm not like hitting boys in the face and being like look cry for me no but i yeah i just i just like it when they cry when it's me but it's always like i find men have these really interesting triggers for tears where they're they're separated from the actual emotion like the thing that gets them to cry isn't the thing they actually want to cry about Mm. and because they can't actually so they can cry about something stupid they can cry about a movie they can cry about you know like they can cry about things that are really unrelated to their actual emotions right um because if i mean i I read uh, what was i reading i was reading something or it was maybe it was a lecture where a guy was saying the reason men don't cry, and this was a man saying it, so I really believed him, you know. He said the reason men don't cry is because they're afraid that once they start, they won't be able to stop. Oh. And because, yeah, they've been holding all this shit in forever, pretending like they've got it all figured out, so that we respect them and still give them pussy and, you know, or whatever. And, um, God, what a, you know, I thought that might be valid, you know, because yeah. I've, I've, you know. I don't know. I, hey, hey, well, uh, cry in front of me. I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. Do you, uh, do you practice, do you practice safe words and stuff like that, just for boundaries, or is that like? Uh, um, I, you know, it's I'm way more vanilla than people would imagine. Mm. Um, so it's not usually necessary that I have a safe word. Gotcha. Um, it just depends on what the thing is. Like when I've had, like when I've had multiple partners at the same time. I mean, I've, I've always told them if they thought, you know, should we have a safe word? It's like, no. No is the safe word. No is that the is, safe word. Yeah. Like, why do I need a word that's not no? If I say no, if I say stop, those are my safe words. Sure, sure. And, you know, I don't want a, like, why would I say Pineapple Express or 
you know, tulip or, or something right, random right. when I have two perfectly good words for stop. Fucking fair. No. Mine is cinnamon. See, see, that would be so confusing for me. If someone said cinnamon, I'd be like, I love cinnamon. I know, but it's, it's just a fun word. Them. It's out of context. <laughs> cinnamon, cinnamon. That means <laughs> it's just. It's too many syllables. Yeah, I want it's no a lot of syllables. Stop. It's it's a lot of sibilance, a lot of syllables, cinnamon, yeah. even though it's C's. But it's my, it's always been my word. I don't know why. Whatever. No, Things cinnamon. Get... That's that's great. At least, yeah, I mean, you have one. I've any time that I've needed one, I don't think it would have helped. Oh, right? good point. <laughs> hey, yeah, and then isn't that scary? That takes away some more. But if you're like, you have a safe word, and then it's not respected. Ugh, now I'm gonna get super triggered by my own safe word. Fuck. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, and then, you know, because I did, I had like a, who was that partner? I, I ended up getting really mad at the, this person, but he was like um really rich, dom guy who said he was a dom, and I swear to God, all men think that they're doms, but it's just not true, right? Uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm a dom, I've always been a dom, I'm not a sub, unless, you know, there well, there are times when I'm, I, I guess I'm a switch, I don't know. I, I always thought that those distinctions were kind of stupid and pedestrian and childish, it was like, okay, sometimes I want to be in control. Sometimes I want you to be in control. Like, mm. why is, you know, I don't even get it. Like, I can't imagine the person who actually wants to be dominating someone else the entire time. Yeah, that's, I mean, um, it, it's the same thing about it's everything or nothing. If you don't have, it's, you know, light and dark. If you don't have the light, if, you, if you're constantly in the sun, you don't know what darkness is, then you're not, you're not so appreciative of the light. And it's this, you know, if you're, right. if you're, do- if you're dominating all the time, I mean, then I think, she doth protest too much and wants to have a little sub action, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so. mean, guys, I mean, that was my whole thing for a long time because I, I didn't feel safe with men because I'd had so many negative experiences. So the majority of men I slept with were, were like, oh, this woman just, you know, she just, I mean, I dominated the shit out of them. It's like I get on top of them, tell them don't fucking move. If you fuck up this orgasm for me, I'm going to kill you. If you talk too much, you got to get the fuck out of my house. I mean, I was brutal and their dicks never went soft, you know, so it worked. worked. And, and uh, and then oh, finally letting myself be submissive. What a fucking thing! It was just like all the sex I had in when, once I came to that space was totally cathartic. It was like I'm just gonna ball my eyes out now because oh my god, you mean I don't have to be in control? I'm actually safe with this person. So for me, dominating men was just my way of feeling safe with them. Sure. And uh, and it it wasn't like oh this is my kink. It was like no, this is the only way I can have sex with you because I don't trust you to not hurt me. Wow, that is some deep shit, bro. Wow. Because it's the only way. Well, and I used to do the same thing with uh, alcohol. I never, I always, there was a good period of time where I hadn't, I didn't have sex sober because it was too vulnerable. And the only way for me to do it was to be stupid drunk so that I wouldn't be self-conscious and I wouldn't worry about it and I wouldn't necessarily even remember it. Like my safety was in my blindness, which was forced. And I can look at a good period of my 30s and be like, well, that was some purposeful shit that I was doing. Yeah. And now now I can recognize it. And I don't really like having sex super drunk anymore because I feel like I'm out of control where it used to make me feel in control. Now it makes me feel completely out of control. So I prefer well, to do it you're sober. Probably, you're, in a, you're in a relationship that, that supports you, that makes you feel safe, right? So right. There, there's that, there's space for that. It's like, you know, w- once you get the space for it, you're like, oh, this is, you know, oh, oh, yeah. I can be present for this thing. Sure. And, 
And it did, it totally changed the game for me. It took me years to get to a place where I would even let a man get on top of me. Like, you know, I've had tons of sex and, you know, would not suck their dicks, would not let them get on top of me, would not let them have any fucking say in what was happening. This was me. This was my experience. They were there for my pleasure. If they didn't fucking like it, they could get out. And they all loved it. They loved it because they were so used to, which I found interesting, but they were so used to women not being in charge. So a lot of the men thought that I was this totally sexually evolved, oh, my God, she just totally owns her sexuality. She's totally in her body. She totally knows what she wants. And the, the truth of I mean, that was a nice way of looking at it, and I'm glad that that's what they saw. But the reality was there was a terrified woman who just happened to have an insane libido. Right, right? Like, sure. That was, that was all that that was. I was like, well, I, I, think, I, got a, I think I got a solution. I just scare the shit out of them and, you know, hope that, you know, and yeah, like I said, their dick boys stayed hard, so it yeah. works, but... For me, it's hard because it it can be easier for men, too, because especially if you're, like, doing the dom thing, it's a performative act, and that there's also safety in the performance aspect of it, and I often felt that way about sex, where, like, it wasn't, to keep myself safe, it wasn't really me, it was that I'm being this other person and doing these other things, and this is me performing for you, and and it, it took it out of, like, the owning it in the feminist aspect of like I'm trying to get off and I'm owning my sexuality and it was more like I'm protecting myself by performing by having an act almost like yeah. almost like it was um prostitution kind of thing like I'm performing a role for you not for me and there was power in that too kind of yeah yeah I mean I never like luckily because my parents just instilled this thing in me I mean I started getting sex ed when I was so little that it was just like, I mean, they were like, sex is about you, sex is about your pleasures, you know, never do anything you don't want to do. Um, but the whole sex is about you, sex is about your pleasure, that got like, I was just convinced of it. So the first time I had sex, it was my choice. I told the guy, I was like, okay, you get over there. I jumped on top of him, on top of his truck, fucked the shit out of him, and then told him I was a virgin. Wow. And he was just like, what just happened to me, you know? <laughs> and I was like... Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like, really? You're you're like, he had no idea I was a virgin, had no, because I was, it was in my brain that this was about me. So that part was true when they thought, oh, she's sexually empowered, because I was getting off. Right. If I didn't have fun, I would look at the guy and I would go, well, this is boring. Ah, that's so and funny. I, and I would just be like, I'm leaving. And they'd be like, where are you? I'm like, I'm leaving. This is not, this is Yeah, I'm bored. Wow. They're, I, wow. Oh, oh what a powerful thing to do. I'm bored. Oh, it was. They would. They would never stop calling me. They would forever just be like, Alyssa, what can I do differently next time? Can you give me another shot? Can you like? Can we, can we do this again? I'm like, no. It's supposed to be fun. You didn't make it fun. Stop fucking calling me. Wow. And they would. And so I think in a lot of ways I helped these guys because they did. I have to identify with a woman who was saying, "You're not pleasing me." Yeah, you're not good enough. And nobody's. Yeah. They're not used to that because they're like constantly, especially in these days they're constantly told by their parents or by everyone else oh you're such a precious little snowflake and everything you do is so good and for someone to actually say you know what that wasn't good enough wow yeah thank you for your thank you for your service (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. peace out buddy i mean i would just straight up get up in the middle of sex and walk away and they would just be like what is happening i'm like well you know and then when and i didn't tell them this but in the back of my mind it was like well my parents told me this was supposed to feel good my parents told me this was supposed to be fun you know my parents told me this was about my pleasure you're not doing anything for me right now why would i stay here i had no i had no issue 
with just getting up and walking away. And that was the most empowered thing. And so, like, there are these really positive sides of it and then these other negative. And this was, that was younger, that was me younger. I had been raped at at that point. You know, my first sexual experience was rape, but it wasn't intercourse. So it was, it was a little bit different. Um, but that's why I didn't get blowjobs. The first time I was raped, a, a boy just, you know, basically, you know, shoved his dick in my mouth. <laughs> and uh, and I just started crying. And then, you know, it was just this whole huge thing. So I, and it took me fucking years and I had to go to therapy to figure out why I didn't suck dick. Wow. You know, I didn't even remember that that had happened to me. That wow. was my first sexual experience. And I had completely blocked it out. And when any guy, it didn't matter how long I had been with them or how many times we had had sex or if they were one of my consistent lovers, you know, because, like, I, I mean, I've had these lovers that I've had forever and ever and ever, and they just got used to the fact that I wasn't going to suck their dicks. And it wasn't, you know, they didn't make an issue out of it. Sure. And uh, and I didn't have to think about it. And then I started finally thinking about it because I was having, you know, I was trying to have real relationships again. So I was like, oh, that's why. Wow. But, um, yeah. So I was like, well, one one bad apple, man. He ruined it for all of you guys. Like I could have been, I could have been sucking dick this whole time, you know. Like, like, yeah. But, um, I I yeah, mean, so. yeah. I I have a I have kind of an I don't have an issue with it. It's fine. But I was married for so long that, I mean, I would definitely use. There was a program called uh, Back Rubs for Blowjobs, because then it was like tit for tat, right? Because mm-hmm. I I I honest I. I love I love back rubs, so it's a little it's a little oh, exchange yeah. program. It's a little exchange my, program, but yeah. Uh, yeah, just a little payment. I I feel like uh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about prostitution. We have about five minutes left, Alyssa Westerland. I want to. Yeah, well, we could talk about prostitution. I mean, what did you want to talk about? Take well, I more. yeah, and I love prostitution. Not like for my, me myself personally, but I feel like women owning their labor is really important, and that. Sex labor is real labor. It's a real job, and I think that we should value it. And I, when I was married, I feel like I was a prostitute. I definitely had sex and made it super performative, and I wasn't really into it. But I felt that it was my duty as a wife that right. if yeah. he – and sometimes I don't even know if he wanted sex, but I would initiate it only because I felt like I owed it to him because he was my husband. Right. You had to. Yeah, well, and I think that the thing – that the, the difference between – I, you know, so I did sex work at, uh, at at a certain point. It wasn't like classic sex. It was sex work light because I had sugar daddies. Right. And my therapist actually was the reason that I went down this path. And this was like, I guess, four years ago when I first, like, kind of solicited sugar daddies. It was a lot of work. I had to go on a lot of dates with guys that I just was not, I wasn't willing to sacrifice me being attracted to them for the for the payout, right? Right. But um, so I, I had to do a lot of screening, and I did end up finding two sugar daddies who were both just uh, we we had great chemistry. They were great guys. Uh, it was all very simple as far as boundaries on the table. If I hadn't done that, I don't think I would be in a relationship right now. Huh. Um, because it taught me, first of all, that I needed real intimacy. Because when they're paying you, they are paying you for this specific thing. It not unlike being a wife. This is your role. This is your job. These are the things you do for me. Um, but it kind of established a real value in my mind of what I deserve to get from these guys. Because when you have a good sugar daddy, man, it's it's fucking nice. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I bet. Like, it's really fucking nice. But then I started realizing that 
I mean, of course, there, there was some emotional component to it. They, they obviously cared about me. They still do. They reach out all the time, and they're happy I'm in a relationship now. And, and they're, just, they're just good people. I picked the right ones. Sure. But it helped me just kind of get this baseline because for so many years I expected myself, I made more money than most of my partners throughout my life. Um, I, I had my shit together most than, you know, and I, and they didn't. And I was kind of, I would help these guys get their shit together and then the relationship would devolve, but I was putting out way more than I wanted to. Yeah, and I didn't I really have a good me. value structure for myself. So having sugar daddies actually taught me that I deserve more wow. and then ha- that, that I also wanted intimacy. Yeah. I actually wanted it. I had been denying myself intimacy for years and years and years. And then having the sugar daddies and having this cutoff point where you have intimacy up into the certain boundary, right? And yeah. that boundary is very well defined and you know, you're, you know, I'm not calling them. They're reaching out to me. This is not on my terms. This is on their terms because I'm getting paid. Right. And discovering that I wanted actual love. I wanted someone to really love me. And that was more important to me than, you know, whatever that Basically, if I hadn't had that experience, I don't think I would be in a loving relationship right now. And, like, I'm super grateful for the relationship I'm in right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And my therapist told me that this would work. And I and I fired her almost immediately after that because I I thought you bitch you want me to go be a sex worker what's wrong with you you know, ew that's disgusting I had so many weird hangups about the whole thing I was so angry at her for suggesting this mm. and then I fired her and then I kept thinking about it and then I went out and I did it and now I should call her I yeah. should say thank you. I should say thank you because it really did. It taught me that I wanted love, and now I have love. And and it's great because you had the opportunity to do it in your early 30s and and to be worshipped by an older guy, which is a lot of fun, and to learn what you oh, wanted. God, the one, no, they weren't even that old. These well, I mean, but old. they were older. Either way, that they mm-hmm. have money. Okay, mm-hmm. so whatever happened, you have a novel that you can write in your 40s. Like when you're my age and you're like, oh, I'm feeling all old and non-sexy, you can go back to your brain in the 30s or in your early 30s when you're like, yeah, when I was a sex worker and doing this, and you can sort of like relive and hash out that oh. fantasy oh. stuff creatively. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, it's definitely a well. It's definitely a well for sure. Yeah. I guess it's hard oh, to... thank you. Hard to make jokes about sex work, but great novels. Woo! I mean, yeah, I've gotten a few really good ones, you know, like, um, I've I've gotten some good sex work work jokes, but it is interesting, because I I started telling those jokes, and then people started asking me if I was a sex worker, and it was interesting, you know, and I would lie, I would say yes, or I would say no, or I would say, you know, I would would just kind of change my answer just to play with whoever it was asking the question. Um, because you don't really want men knowing that about you. I mean, this screening process was thorough. Yeah. But um, because then they just think that it's, for, you know, it's any price. It's like, no, I picked. Right. I, picked. I, I went on, like, I don't even know how many uh, date, dates with very rich men and said no to 99.9% of them. Right. right? Like, yeah. So, so I still picked the, the selection, the sexual selection process still up to the woman. So I still had total control. It wasn't like, oh, some guy could offer me a couple, you know, whatever right. amount of money. Two bucks for no. a blowjob. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. This yeah, is expensive gross. and it's and it's valuable. And I picked the people and they were, they are still wonderful, wonderful people. Like I said, they're totally yeah. happy that I'm happy now. And there was no hard feelings. So it was a cool thing to have kind of a contract like that because there is no hard feelings at the end of it. It's right. like, well, we both got what we wanted out of this. Yeah. And um, 
it's just it's like that radical honesty thing. Like I never had to lie to those people, and they never had to lie to me. Oh, that's so nice. That's so amazing when you. I mean, when you're out in the open with whatever's happening, and everyone's on board, and yeah, and you're, and if you're, and if you can, if they're looking for intimacy, and you can provide that in certain hours at certain times for certain contracted, you know, whatever, great. Yeah, yeah. Snuggling. What's well, I've been or, these young guys who want like they want to be players, right? And I'm like, well, they're doing it in, like slightly the wrong way, right? Because they're trying to find women who aren't fully on board. And there are tons of women who are fully on board just to be there for sex with you, yeah. right? But if you can't be honest about that, if you're trying to pull, pull at her emotionally and then trick her into fucking you, you're a piece of shit. Right. But if you're straight up, there are plenty of women like me, you know, who are still single and who are down as fuck to fuck. Yeah. It's like, just, just be honest. Be like, hey, emotionally, I can't be there for you, but I would, I, you know, this is what I want. And there are plenty of women willing to do that. So whenever I talk to the pickup artists, because those are men that I thoroughly, you know, like, it, it, and there's that, I, you know, it's just this frustration because it's like, you know, you don't have to lie to us. Yeah. You can tell us what you want, and we can say yes or no, and you don't have to manipulate us. Right. Yeah, there was only, I only had like one one-night stand in my whole life. And I didn't know it was a one-night stand until the next day. And that was what made me feel bad about it. Yeah. It wasn't – I if – the problem was that when I woke up and I was excited and I was like – and he – I learned it it only took – it took about 15 minutes after waking up to realize what that was and that I really shouldn't have spent the night. And I didn't know. It was like my first – I was like, I didn't – I thought that this was – it was – whoa, it wasn't what I thought it was. And that hurt way more. Oh, yeah. If you know what it is, I mean, that's why I always just told guys, hey, listen, I'm going to fuck you. As soon as we're done having sex, you know, maybe I'll hold you for about a minute and then you got to get the fuck out of my house. And they heard me say this at the beginning and they didn't believe me. (laughs) And they'd be like, wait, you mean I really have to go home now? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to leave now. And so they were still shocked by it. But I just I adhered to the thing that I said. And when I dealt with men like that, where I had this boy who was visiting from out of town that I seduced at one point, and afterwards he was having all these love feelings, and he was lying in my bed, and he was like, I can't believe this, and he was so upset. I was like, what? He was like, he was like, but I'm leaving tomorrow. And I just started laughing at him, and I said, I know. That's why you're here. Yeah, exactly. Because of the like, short-term wait. residency. Yeah, he was like, wait, that was really okay with you? And I'm like, buddy, I picked you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I picked you. Feel and this special. this is why I picked you. Oh, it's so nice. You met someone else and you don't tell them and then you have multiple relations. If you're going to be poly, be poly. If you're going to have an open relationship, have an open relationship. If you're not, don't say that you are. And then, I mean, that's just, that's when people get hurt is when you lie to them. Yeah. You, and you don't have to. Because you'll to. find somebody out there who has the exact same needs that you have, or at least needs that line up with your needs, yeah. even if they're not the same, you know. Oh, it's so beautiful. You've given, Life you've, is beautiful. This has been a joy. Every word that drips from your honeyed lips is pure genius and nectar from the gods. I thank you so much for calling on some thank call me you. Tim and talking all about your amazing cult experiences and how it's shaped you and made you the person you are today, which is a wonderful oh. person. Alyssa Westerland, uh, tell everybody your Instagrams and your how they can follow you. When Oh, I'm just at Alyssa Westerland on Instagram. Uh, probably the same thing on any of the other you just look my name up and, you know, and I think I'm on YouTube now. I got at least a video out there of me screaming at an audience and them all laughing. That was great. Um, 
Yeah, thank you so much for being here and sharing your life. I can't wait till comedy is back and we can have some shows and stuff. Fuck yeah. Okay, well, I love you. All right, love you too. Thanks again for the yeast. Yay! Bye. Bye. If you want to know what I was talking about with that yeast, Alyssa Westerlin sent me some yeast in the mail because everyone is out of yeast. Everyone in San Francisco is out of yeast. I ran out myself. It was not at the store. It doesn't exist at Trader Joe's. Dear Lord. So uh, some people sent me some yeast in the mail, one of them being Alyssa Westerlin, so that I didn't have to cultivate my own vaginal yeast to bake bread, which I don't think is possible. But if Martha Stewart can do it, God, I'd eat that bread, right? Uh, That's my one new joke. It comes from Westworld and baking bread, and I want to get a new apparatus. It's It's an AI kind of human thing so I can replace my uterus with a tiny little oven. Call it bun in the oven. I can bake my own bread from my own vaginal yeast. You put the, put the flour in there, use my, maybe my body fluids. When I walk around, it's gonna knead the dough. Cause I'm using all that energy. It's, it's going, some, it, sh- it should go to something, right? Like a bun in the oven, some fresh baked buns out of my twat on the bus. All right, that's been Some Call Me Tim. I'm going to play an old Some Call Me Tim for the second hour unless somebody calls in, 415-550-0511. But thanks for joining me. Thanks again to Alyssa Westerlin. This has been a fun afternoon. It's beautiful outside. I think I'm going to sit in the sunshine uh, while we listen to this old Some Call Me Tim. Thanks again. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, and I'll be back on Friday, hopefully with some Zoom comedy from 6 to 10. I'm going to try to throw some stuff together, get some comics around the world maybe even all right mutinyradio.fm give me some money it's on the just click that little button on the side of the website and give me five bucks come on come on you know you want to free speech keeping alive in the mission mutiny radio special show. What do we call it? We call it Some Call Me Tim. I didn't time it out right this time. Here it comes. It goes, wow, Tim. Some call me Tim. Uh, The show where I am interested in what people believe in because the Holy Grail is a crock of shit and we're all following our own grails. Uh, We have a special guest in the studio today. Uh, He has a dream. That's Anthony Medina of True Hustle. I know he believes in the hustle, Absolutely. keeping it true. Absolutely. Uh, That's the truest hustle right the there. The truest hustle of all. And we also have special guest, his second time on the program, Jeremy Adkins. Is this your second time on the program? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. We talk about all the good things that he believes in. Uh, or the lack thereof. Or the lack thereof. Either way, it's fine. Hey, how is True Hustle going? You guys are still ro- rocking it out at Brainwash seven nights a week? 
Yeah, we're down to five nights now. Five so nights. just Monday through Friday. So uh, they, they tried the weekends again and then took the weekends away. It was just too yeah. early. Is that what was happening? It's too much effort for uh, Tony and I, and yeah. especially like right now with the summertime. Uh, it's tough to get a lot of people in. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we we're just, all right. And, but besides that, we got the comedy crawl coming up, which right. both of you are going to be yeah. on. You yeah. Both of you are going to be on the grotto yes, section. Are. are you on the grotto end too at the beginning? I am. Of five yeah. Awesome. So it's funny how it all works out. Huh? All comes together. <laughs> That's on the 5th of September. 2nd. 2nd of September. Yeah, Saturday, September 2nd. Saturday, so September. Yeah, I got that right earlier. Oh, yeah, man. So you want to know something really weird really quick? Yeah. The reason I, one of the reasons I was almost late is because I have a calendar on my desk. I write everything I do on it. Right. And when I write it on the calendar, I don't ever have to look at the calendar again because I'll remember it. Because it's there. Because I'll write, I can write something for October in July. Sure. And then like October 2nd when I'm supposed to do it, I'll just go do that thing. Right. Well, the calendar ran out in July. <laughs> and so I don't have a calendar. And so I've been writing stuff in my notebook or writing stuff down. Right. Apparently, if I write it in my notebook, I don't remember. Oh. But if I write it in the calendar, I'm good. Mm. So I've discovered that the hard way. Yeah. Right. It's always good to write it down, though. I always do that. Otherwise, Facebook messages, I always get lost uh, with those. I made a mistake once and uh, sort of burned a bridge early in my comedy career with Tommy T's in uh, Pleasanton because I had written down a Wednesday in June, and it was actually a Wednesday in May. So here comes the Facebook messages. Hey, Pam, where are you? Why aren't you at the show? And you were supposed to bring 10 people. And I'm like, I thought that was next month. And they were like, Oh, rookie mistake there, Benjamin. They were like, don't do that. Don't book somewhere out of town, say you're going to do something, and then not only not do it, but not even know and show up at the wrong... I was like, oh, I that, suck. That's actually kind of how I end up here today, because like, uh, like I was supposed to do another uh, podcast like a couple blocks away from here. Yeah. And it's not for the 23rd next uh, Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So like, but I figure I might as well just come by Mutiny Radio Perfect. and see what's up. Check it out. There so it call is. me Tim. Oh yeah. Things things you believe in. Ah. Uh, uh, you, neither of you, we used to believe, you used to believe in Jesus, right, Anthony? Uh, ahoy yeah. mi Dios, or what is uh, your... Yeah. Adios <laughs> mio. Adios uh, mio. Mio. I actually, at a young age, I was even considering becoming a priest. Wow. Yeah. So, like, I was like that, like, into it. I was an altar boy. Wow. Was, don't worry, I wasn't touched. But then it was because you, you like touching little girls. You always have. But girls yeah. meaning above 18. Yeah, well, if anything, so uh, <laughs> I knew there was going to be some conflict of interest there at a very right. young age. Because sure. I was like... I, I, I don't know. I get these feelings. <laughs> and I get it's these like, feelings inside yeah. my... Yeah, so it's like I want to make sure parts. like I'm true to myself, you know? Right, right. So, yeah. but now, uh, if anything, I like to think about cellular. Like, uh, everything is all cells. So, for me, that is my god of what cells. I try. Cells. Yeah, so, cells. like... Um, the space in between atoms or something is where God is. Like the space in between the nucleus and the it's the beginning and the, the electrons. Ending. Yeah, so the energy that spins around. And it's so funny because if you think about on a molecular level, at there's a huge amount of space between protons and electrons and nuclei. But so we're all really made of space because it's the space between things that are. Uh, you know. Yeah, and, and, and 
it's also too uh like when it comes down to like a uh, space and stuff like we're just floating all around you know what i mean well uh, inside of us yeah. is that much space you know yeah. if you think about it like even this table in front of me is is a bunch of holes sewn together yeah. do you know like wh what is when something is matter it's hard and it's real it's yeah. like it's just it's vibration or whatever that exists in what do you our know plane. about fuzzy logic fuzzy fuzzy logic, logic. fuzzy logic okay is that so when you're drunk no no unfortunately it's it's more convoluted than that so if you think about an apple and a knife as a knife slices through, slices through an apple given what you were just saying that at the edge of an item there are atoms and there's space that space is going to be filled with both the knife and the atom the the knife and the apple so at what point is it knife what point is it apple that's where you start I believe that's the beginning of fuzzy logic. It's been a, it's been about a decade since I read the book, but uh, it just kind of talks about that in that empty space you're talking about. What what's the definition of that? And so if you have empty space between two objects, where where do either of the objects begin? Where right. do they end? Uh huh. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, so like it's similar like thinking that way too, because like uh, it's like yeah, what are we all? You know, if anything, I, I like to think we're all just a bunch of water and electricity kind of 70 percent water yeah a lot of a lot of positive and negative protons and electrons yeah. flying around it always makes me wonder like oh, damn like how we walk the way we walk you know like if we we're like 70 percent right. water shouldn't be we like walking around more wavy like sure yeah and well and i i freak out all the i get super high and think about like <sighs> there has to be a god right like we're all so no specific way. but so different here's the thing Cats are aliens. They have funny eyes that are like tilty. They're clearly from uh, an alternate dimension, except that we all have, they all have eyes and we have a nose and we have a mouth, so we're similar that way. But they're just like the alien greys, right? Without fur. Yeah. There's actually like an alien species apparently that uh, they're half uh, cat-like. All right. So like the, the, the body feature is like that of a human, but the face is that of a cat. Well, it's because of those weird tilty eyes. And the cool things about cats is that their pupils go both oblong and perfectly circular. So it's like, whoa. I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I constantly like waffle back and forth between intelligent design versus randomness of like, could this all be truly random? But there's too many similarities for randomness, right? <laughs> well, you're you're dealing with something that no one's ever seen before. Like you've never, so it's not like you can say, oh, well, the last time this happened, or you can compare it. It's but we do see it because my thing is that people are so amazing and that we're alive and we have this like, and we can keep birthing our own kind and making more of us, and they seem to have like consciousness or. I mean, everyone, I guess that's, we're creating consciousness. So how right. how do we yeah. do that? How do you take well, your atoms and then make these new things that's that you pop out? We, and that's evolution. That's, we're, we're, at the, we're at the far end of it. You know, the consciousness comes. Like we, and I don't remember how many years ago, there's a study that shows, or they, they went back, and when we started cooking food, is when we got big brains. Ah. And so it's, there's there's constantly little markers that show you how we got here. In and you can just farming, follow those yeah. little markers Fruity. and go, oh, well, okay, that right turn makes sense. Oh, they, you know, that left turn makes, I get how we got here. Whereas if you think of us now, oh yeah, it's cr truly incredibly amazing. And you, you can't, it's how like looking at an iPhone. protein through heat. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. looking at an iPhone 
and not knowing how to build it. Oh, I can't even use it. I can't even make an iPhone right. work. I look so, at that thing and I'm like, ah, but rah. but if you had followed all the markers along, you know, phone, you know, sure. cable to phone to cell phone to smartphone, then it goes, oh yeah, I get that. Right. I stopped my. Uh, I stopped my technological advancement or evolution at dumb phone. I don't. I, I don't want a computer I wish in my I had. pocket. I, wish I know I'd people keep suit. telling me that they're like, once oh, you go iPhone, oh no, you, it's, you it's can't heroin. go back. It's the worst heroin in the world. Like I found myself. I think I had my phone in my hand the whole time I was awake yesterday. Like oh it was, God. It was bad. Like I woke up with my phone in my hand the other night because I'd fallen asleep. Like writing this note to myself, and I'd set the alarm, and I'd fallen asleep literally right then. And I woke up. And I was like. Uh, I hope I wasn't calling anyone. This is not a good moment. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's we're constantly connected and yet disconnected. Disconnected. Yeah. So it's so like I have the a atoms in our. I body brought here. I brought a belief oh, today. Oh, a belief. Because I don't really believe in anything. Oh, okay. I believe we we we're born, we die. We're an electrical impulse away from death. It's like a light. Your existence is a light switch. Once this, the light's off, it's done. You're done. Wow. Okay. But I do believe I have a belief, and it started, of course, when I was really high, like all good beliefs. Sure. Um, and it started kind of as a joke, sort of like the uh, the human body can only last so long. Like you can't live past 120. You know, like your body will break down so much. Well, they said there was a guy in China recently that was supposedly like 300 years old or something insane. And I don't believe him. I y- you would have to like I'd have to see like real good dental records. I'd have to like they I'd say that to, their grandparents like, remember him being them. really old. Yeah, my. My grandparents remember a lot of things that I'm not sure were really true. So, like, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, but, like, even if he's 300, you can only live to 300, let's say. Eventually, you die. I believe that the human species is the same way. We are reaching the end of us. And then I started really thinking about it. I was thinking, like, well, actually, I do believe that because I think that we've gotten so smart that we've reached the end of our usefulness. We are becoming really unuseful creatures we have oh, okay now i agree with that that the people's smartest. use people's use is be, as they get smarter with their smartphones they get dumber and their use becomes less you make less well like we you know, do we apps. do less and less as humans we have farmed out all these activities that sure, like sure. literally like you can get everything done for you almost to the point of you might not even have to leave bed right right well the thing is you still the only way to afford those things is to have a really shitty job where you work 90 hours a week so that you can't deal with your own business of life and you have to have white slaves do your instacarting and your taskagramming yeah. or whatever the fuck we're doing like, now I, <laughs> you're you're ubering and you're lifting and you're instacarting you, you, can your, and you're, you can get everything delivered your weed yeah you can get your weed delivered you can get you can you can have an app like the big inventions you know from our forefathers like somebody invented a harvester where you can like get a lot of food f- feed everybody now you in- the things are invented there's an app you invent so you can fake farm where like a whole team of people sit in some office somewhere to make sure that runs all the time like and the fake no farm glitches. like farmville yeah. or like the fake pot farm game that people like to play now the pot oh, farm I, game I you don't know I about know. that one yeah, pot farm game. So, but think of this way. Think of it this way. Cubic there's a, fake there's, weed. There's someone <laughs> doing planting fake weed, right? Right. And they're just kind of having fun. But there's a room full of people. Their job is to make sure that app is always running. Right, right. Like, it's like they their are, job they are like, you know, it's four people doing eight hours and producing nothing. Wow. Literally nothing. Right. It's and in the game, yeah, it's it's silly. It's it's but addictive. Nothing, it's and scary. you don't like like at the end of the game, like if you win, they don't, they you don't nobody mails you an ounce. No, no, not at all. You know, and you get yeah. to do it all over again. But you get to yeah, you get to employ in the game the hippie girls to 
to do something with your flower to make spurt. Anyways, it's a silly, silly game, but a lot oh, yeah. of people play it. And yeah. It's pot farming. But like oh. my point is that like in a generation, like, and I, somebody else pointed this out to me. In like a generation or two, we went from people farming right. and trying to make a really good living so they could send their kids off to college so they never farmed again two people fake farming on an app isn't that silly that's where it's insane here. that's insane so, i mean but we like we are the smartest we have all the information we have i mean every generation has mm. all the information mm. but we have it the most accessible and we don't use any of it right some you of know? it well so, so here's yeah. the old i looked up the oldest guy 256 year all old right. world's oldest man with 200 children that's an odd um his it, it's from July 11th, 2016, or December 17th, 2016, Chinese herbalist Li Qingyuan lived to be 256 years old. Uh, so he's the oldest person who's ever lived on Earth. There's a guy... 256. There's a guy, he's a South Korean gentleman. I forget his name. Um, and every once in a while I get asked about him because he does this, he has his religion, it's like Jeet Su or something, where like... And it, it, they're they're being considered a cult. Um, anyway, the reason it, uh, he gets compared because I do jujitsu. Um, but apparently, he started his little thing by recovering from a wicked drug and alcohol like bender that ended up up in the middle of nowhere, like dying. And so he did like some detox and said he found like God came and said, "You're the guy." Whoa. Yeah, and then like that's his, he tells that story. Like, yeah, I was out there, you know detoxing after like a serious like couple year long you know alcohol and drug binge and the man showed up and went you know you are just the scumbag i was looking for to lead the rest of the world like and people go yeah that sounds like a plausible story that sounds like a good one i should follow this guy he hasn't made bad decisions Th this is this is crazy this guy uh, claimed that he was born in 1736 however a professor from the Minku University stated that he found evidence which showed Lee was in fact born in 1677. There's a picture of him in so wait, 1927. So wait, so wait, the old, old guy, guy is saying, I was born in 17-something. He's saying he was born in 1736, okay. but they say that he there was evidence that he actually was born in 1677. So the old guy's like, I'm born in 1750, and the other people are like, no, he's crazy. He was born in 1650. Yeah. Well, when you get so old, you like, forget what age, right? <laughs> I, guess, I guess you get to the point where he you're like— He was either 197 I, or 256. Nobody knows. I, I know. He's really old, but he ain't old. Like, he is— I mean, he's he's that guy. He's that town's tourist attraction. I bet. Well, there's a picture hey, of him holding some ginseng or something, and there's yeah. a, and there's the waters that he lived at, which look pretty majestic and clear. So yeah, he oh, lived they up look nice. I can see them. I would like to live there. I would hang out with him and his. I would, you know, if you let me live in that village, I would go for it. I'd go, yeah, yeah, dude, you are as old as you say you are. Just don't kick me out. What? Would you want to live for 250 years? Would you actually want to live? My that life. Long? Oh man, my life is brutal. I don't know if anybody wants to live my life for more than I. I I'm like people go. Well, what are you gonna do when you're 65? I go. See, I got another more than you. five of the. Uh, you don't think you'll live to 65? Oh, I do. I you do. do. Unfortunately, okay. I like my everybody's lived you long. You want it to end? I sometimes I do. I mean, I just buried another dog. Like, Aww. yeah, like mm. I. You know, I lived with my ex-wife. Like, I, every time I see my cat and he's laying there and his eyes are open and I don't see him breathing right away, I think he's dead and it freaks me out. I'm like, yeah, and I got a, and I got a 13-year-old too. I got a 13-year-old oh, that I don't real, even have full custody of. But you're talking about dogs, not children. 
I don't have kids. Oh, no okay. one should I'm ever just try. checking because oh, you're God. like, when you're talking about, the, I have a 13-year-old that I don't have custody of, the, the listening audience goes, wow. Oh, yeah. for he's, first he talks about burying his dogs, and now, no, so it's, yeah. it's the dogs. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been responsible in that. I only, I had one scare. I had a woman. So you don't believe in God, but you do believe in dog. Oh, hell, yes, yes. I'm, yeah. I'm going to own dogs <laughs> until I die. So but I'm going to bury a lot of dogs, apparently. Oh, let's let the dogs live forever. I agree with oh, that. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Why well, I, I think I'm going to clone Meatball. Meatball's the name of your dog? They just passed, yeah. Oh. He was. I brought him her once. He was the uh, the gray one, the big-headed gray one that was really happy. Sure. All and dogs look the same Did you collect some hair follicles or something? No, he's buried in the backyard. Oh, so oh you're going to take DNA from yeah. the... You're going to exhume your dog, it's get I'd some DNA. Yeah. just around the corner. I mean, maybe I'll get a smarter version. Like, Meatball was a wonderful dog, but he... I mean, uh-huh. Anthony can attest. He uh-huh. was dumb. So do dogs... Do you think dogs have consciousness? Now, you don't even think that when people die, they're dead, they're gone. Yeah. But do you think that animals have consciousness as well? Um, Some Christians don't in, believe in that. in the sense that they have a, in the sense that they have a frontal cortex, like they they, they they problem solve, like yeah, they definitely problem solve. But if do they have soul spirits? No, no one does. No, no, <gasps> oh, no one has a soul. No, it's spirit. it's, it's yeah, all it's, just energy. Yeah. we don't want to call you know? it anything. Yeah. Well, I think I, I, I think I like energy. Has a soul. Energy's the one that I always go with because it hits both the spiritual side of if there is, if you believe in a soul, there it is, sure. and it also hits the scientific side of where energy is neither lost nor created merely transferred sure so that means even though this energy force that will at one point move on right. but where does it moves on to uh, i'd like to be a tree and we create so much energy i'm surprised nobody's made like a human machine yet that goes off human bioenergy because just when i'm wearing my backpack and walking my shirt is constantly raising up my back so there is like actual energy that's occurring <laughs> like there's a transfer of energy from my sh- backpack and my legs moving all the way up my shirt and i constantly have to pull it down and i'm wondering how much energy is that really like and why aren't we focusing and using this energy in some kind of way yeah, we're sure. we're still star- struggling with solar. I think I think mm. that might be a little ways down the road. Like we're still we don't have hover cars. We're I not want wave energy. I want the ocean is constantly going and moving, yeah. and we still haven't harnessed that. Yeah. Like there's the certain islands who've used that already. It's just a matter of like here. It's just uh, you can't make money off of that yet. Well, uh, we don't have to make money off it. We yeah. just need just energy. Just but like but it's it's not it doesn't just matter. Why matter. should we money be making off money off it. energy? Energy and water we shouldn't be making money off of. That I should agree. be oh, like absolutely. It should be free yeah. for everybody Absolutely. to have access to clean water and to have energy. And the concept that not everybody has these things is like, really? You have yeah. candles still or whatever? That's, in that's why I do believe that we are not an advanced society. We are an ad- ad- advantaged society. Oh. In which See, this we is take why advantage. I believe that we're at the end. Because we have all these abilities. Like, yeah. we have the, all the, the information to go to the next step. Yeah. And a lot of people, one of the reasons we don't go to the next step is a lot of people are going to feel like they're going to be left behind. The next no, step. but if everybody gets, I mean, I think that like the right, Earth should have a thing like, like a a universal basic, like mm-hmm. everyone gets a house, everyone gets access to heat, mm-hmm. so they don't freeze or it's not too hot. You know, they don't want them to die that way. Everyone should have access to clean water and healthy foods that aren't gross like mcdonald's like whole foods and delicious things everyone should have clothing to wear there's no reason why we can't house and feed but there is a reason everyone in in the world there is a reason unfortunately and it's because it's it there there's a human instinct that if i share everything i have i'm not going to get any of it back 
I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that we still hold on to there's not enough resources. There's plenty of resources. I agree. But you but you and I can agree on that right, all right, day right, long. Right, right, right. You have to convince everybody and else. And everyone's like, oh, scarcity, scarcity. But the thing is that it's about changing people's minds from oh, what, they, what they have. Like people think, I need this. Do you really need that? No. If we all needed a little bit less, what we have would seem like a lot more. Well, need and want is, you know, I, I even I, like, I live pretty close to the ground. I can, I can get right. by in the Bay Area on about $1,200 a month. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Right, same. and I feel like I live really well. And I so, do too, I feel like yeah. a really rich person actually. Um, and so like, my needs versus wants are pretty good as far as I'm concerned, but every once in a while, like I, I kind of go down a list and I go, wow, yeah, I don't well, know I, about that one. I want like, new shoes, but my shoes haven't fallen apart yet. And well, I, have I have like I have four pairs of, of shoes that have fallen I have to justify stuff apart. economically. I have to justify stuff on a budget. Like, Sure. I, uh, I've budget. Got, like, Aren't you an American? Just get another credit card, weed, dummy. Weed, weed <laughs> is like, like weed is on a budget, like line for me. Like sure, sure. everything's on a budget line, and every once in a while, like I don't know what this says about me, but every once in a while I kind of get freaked out about something. And how I calm myself down is I just do my basic budget. What I would have to make to just literally get through the month, not do anything fun, not do anything except survive. And then I go, oh, I can shit, I can stack. For me, it's, for a long time, it's been forty bucks a day. 40 bucks a day. 40. So when yeah. I was really, really struggling um, to pay uh, both my graduate degree off in cash and then trying to live and pay my rent, what I realized was I needed to make $40 a day. And so I'd sit in Civic Center and do those poems. Oh, okay. And I was like typing poems for a dollar to question mark. And sometimes it would take a half hour to make 40 bucks and sometimes it would take yeah. four hours. But I sat there and made that 40 bucks because, you know, if you've, because in San Francisco, if you have a bizarre skill and a typewriter, you can actually survive. Which is, I don't know, and many other places in the nation where you can. There's a couple, sort of but it's it's a. I mean, it's definitely, especially as we get older and, and information's everywhere, it gets smaller. Um, I know nobody appreciates poetry anymore, but that's okay. Either do I. So. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I one thing that I don't we, give a fuck anymore about it. One thing that we have to remember too, as we're thinking about like these new. Uh, levels of human consciousness or consciousness overall, our basic idea of necessities is totally going to change. Right. It's not even going to be basic like housing and energy. It's going to be like just uh, uh, different realms of what necessity is. Oh, I Clean think it's going to get crazy. Is, I think it's going to be a problem. I think, but I think it's going to get weird. Like, I think that you're right. It's clean water is a necessity, but I think that like we're going to be like the masses are going to be manipulated into thinking that like something else besides clean water is what they really want so that they're not yeah. looking for clean water security security you know, well like, let's let's talk like about something the consumeristic the like crazy thing on the 21st there's going to be um a complete solar eclipse on the 21st uh which is next week yep and uh, i, uh, and, I and knew it was coming i just didn't know what so day is the world going to end everybody no nah. you don't think no. so it's There's not going to be some weird like Stephen King story craziness. Wow. Where, what is it? That would where that all would be, the portals that would be open too up fun. And that would that would be too way too interesting. We're going to have to suffer through what we're suffering. Like it's so bad. Pence is coming home like he's the, like a parent coming back to scold a child. Like, Pence is coming home. Yeah, I mean like they, they he he made some announcement about it too. Like I'm going back home right now. Like it was like some like I'm going to go spank the shit out of him. Aww. It was. I Did hope he, he tweet does. it like a 12 year old girl? 
No, no. <laughs> Pence is more like a a a a sixty year old spinster. Ah. Uh, yeah, he would he would like mumble. He's like, I've got a chastity belt on, and no well, one's allowed to have well, any you know, he fun. He called his wife I, mother, right? Right, absolutely. Like and not in that like mommy like like deviant way, more like okay, mother, I'll do my chores. Like, ooh, dude. Yeah, that's that's uh, disconcerting. Uh, but he also thinks that dinosaurs are a ruse. And that they really, you know, if they existed, well, it was four thousand years is ago. He, he's wow. a creationist. He, he's wow. a new earth trippy. <laughs> so, so he he believes the earth is six thousand years he old. He believes, yeah, four to six thousand years old, depending. Uh, but well, yeah, the, the guy Ken Ham thinks six, so maybe Pence is on a branch that believes four. Because I mean, it's possible those guys. Like, can you can you imagine the argument between those two? Oh no, no, it's four thousand. No, no, it's oh, six thousand. I mean, look at your information. That's clearly a four. They think that carbon dating is all a big sham. Oh, like the things they think are a sham are a little. Uh, like they think climate change is a sham right whether i know that's so crazy to me that climate change you know, whether or not you think man is responsible the climate's changing oh did you watch all the there's time-lapse photography of the um the glaciers just melting away so like what happened in a hundred years was this one movement of glacier and then the past 10 years it's been like twice as much as what happened over the last hundred we're just melting all of our water just willy-nilly yeah just trying to dry it all out now it's all desert like well when it all when all that water goes i mean what's going to happen to san francisco I've, i've seen a lot of artists have done um pictorial representations of what would happen on a map when the water levels rise even a small amount san francisco a lot of it will be underwater yeah Uh, that's why i'm glad i'm on a hill yeah i'm on a hill too so i'm okay but like uh all of the man-made lands all of the marina and the the um the treasure islands and the and the bayview Oh, yeah. It's well, everything, like, gone. from MacArthur by our place, yeah. everything MacArthur down to the bay is just going to be, like, we'll have oceanfront property. Yeah, like it's be right. pond. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a big-ass pond. I live, I live on the beginning, like, the the first hill before you get to the good hills. Uh, like, I live on, like, the, the decent so hill. Yeah, you're going to have uh, oceanfront property. Yeah, so that's I'll exciting. be, like, I'll be the first stop it and then when it gets deeper I'll maybe that's why they were made like beach houses because they knew <laughs> it was going to come I live in a part like of Oakland that I bought a house in the part of Oakland that um, the uh, the um, rich people in San Francisco in the 30s used to go across the bay in oh. summer there there were their summer homes sure yeah and now it's just like well I mean my my street's cool but like a couple blocks away you can you can get shot pretty easily yeah I actually walked that uh, a couple days ago, or last week. <laughs> are I mean, are we? Are has has the concern moved from like crossfire with gang violence to being like people? There is the race war coming to Oakland, or are we all going to band uh, together? It's already been happening. It's oh, already no, happening. No, <laughs> it's already happening. I yeah. think my part of Oakland, I think East Oakland, it, it would it would it would take a very long time for a quote unquote race war to to see that section of town like. There are so many people that have been living there for so long that, like, even – I mean, we we get little laps, like like a wave. We get kind of the edges of the wave of gentrification. Sure. And we've getting more and more, and there's a couple of lots that people are looking at. Like, they're putting fences around, so I think it might be the end. Right. Of like, I'm gonna miss living in the ghetto. Like, I oh, really love li- that's like I've lived in the ghetto my thing whole for a life. And white like, man my adult to say life a and, like, white gendered male. <laughs> so not, nice. I'm not white. You're not. I'm not white. You I'm present Puerto very well. Are you Puerto Rican? 
I'm Puerto Rican. Oh, okay, and, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. No, you're no, Latino. Nothing, but, but, but nothing to apologize about, Pam, because this is good. You present really I, white guy. I am, uh, as they would say, as I've said, racially ambiguous. Yeah, I have had absolutely. people of any every race go, you are one of us. And I go, uh, no, but thank you. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. I dig That's it, great. but sometimes it's weird because like, I'll talk to people. And then I realize, oh, you don't, I don't know what you think I am. People think I'm Asian sometimes because my, when I smile, my eyes are really small and they'll be like, they'll, they'll think that I'm. Your hair looks right now. Like if you could be in a. Right. It's my little Japanese. Also, it all, it doesn't help that I tattooed my scalp. It's not really. I know. It's (laughs) It's one of those things. Like once you have your head completely tattooed, it's, it's a choice. I mean, I'm glad you didn't go with the face tattoos. It always trips me out when people have like, there's a guy I know at the back patio at Bender's and he has social distortion written above his eyes. (laughs) And and he's, he's actually from uh, Thailand and he's an interesting cat. And I was, and I was like, yeah, he loves social D. (laughs) And I was like, dude, that is a choice you made. That is a serious choice. He's like, yeah, I really like social distortion. I was like, did you like them as a band or as like, was it the worst? He's like, yeah, as a band. And I'm thinking, all right, once you make that choice on those face tattoos. Oh, yeah. I was, when I was in uh, juvenile hall, I think I was 15 at the time. The guy that, that kind of looked out for me at the time, this guy, I don't want to say his name, it's Mike. Um, and, uh, you know, Hispanic, like his parents didn't speak English. He had two ginormous swastikas oh my tattooed God. on his chest. Because at the, the time, and I'm going to get this wrong, and somebody who knows is going to get really mad because this shit gets taken really seriously. But the Border Brother? No, it wasn't. It, that's too early. It was one of the offshoots of the Mexican Mafia was uh, really... No, Nortenos and, and Mexican Mafia are enemies. Um, no, is it? I want to say it's offshoot of the Mexican Mafia. They were in bed business-wise with the Aryan Brotherhood. Huh. And so they actually had members who were like, kind of like, double agents. both sides, sort of. Like having dual citizenship. Yes. Like kind of. Having like if a, if a like race war broke out, you're like, you, you, it'd be like, if a race war broke out, it's like if you were Muslim and you were out of the country when Trump's ba- tran, no. babble, travel ban came in, like you were fucked. Like, right. so if you were like hanging out with the, the white boys and you were Hispanic during race war, it doesn't matter how cool they were. They step, step, step. Yeah. You're dead. Huh. It's like ambassadors at embassies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like when the country and, said, and fuck some, it. But he it. had, he got But some of those guys took Nazi that stuff. tattoos But on some his, of those guys took it too seriously. Like they were like, wow. well, I'm, I'm an ally. Look at me. I got I'm my SWAT. I'm a Nazi ally. Yeah. Wow. This I mean, is you, you gotta, you gotta remember, skin like, art. So I've got a really quick. I've got a great story. I'll make it as fast as I can. No, we don't have to. We have plenty of time. We have half hour left. We're good. uh, No rush. I won't. I won't implicate any of the parties because some of these are sort of innocent. At a party in Boston, there was a bunch of skinheads who were Nazis, and uh, people showed up who were not Nazis. We're talking like '89, right? '95. We're talking. Give me a. Give us a time. Story is '88. '88. All right. Cool. think might have been 91 anyway so the uh the party that's not nazis show up they're having a good time before they show up that one of the one of their hosts has brought them this party they enter the building and they went oh you guys are nazis and there's like 50 of you so we can't like beat you up so we're gonna leave thank you for the hospitality and as they're leaving one of them notices there's a black guy standing in the middle of the crowd black skinhead you know, a it's black not like skinhead. Skinhead. black skinhead. They're out there. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, like skinheads. Skinheads were, were an yeah. interracial. Like they were not a, a 
Ska was was definitely like a black and white thing. Like Ska was, but anyway. So so there's a black skinhead standing there. I thought Ska was straight edge. Oh no, not at all. You you. Uh, we'll talk about this. Okay, hold on, okay, hold on. Okay. So so, right. And so one of the guys in the the we're leaving party goes, uh, what the fuck? And, and and the host goes, oh, go ask him some questions. Goes up and goes, hey, uh, you know what everybody's here is uh, well they're they're Aryan, they're 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 white people who don't like black people. And he's like, I'm well aware of that. And well, why are you uh, why are you here? And the black skinhead looks at him and says, well, because I think you're right. You're better than us. Wow. Yeah. So 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 racism what? is a really fucked up place uh. and a really crazy place to live. It's it doesn't just make it just doesn't go str- in a straight line some days. Wow. I can see that mentality though. Like I for mean, some people yeah. being in that, like that's all the information they've been fed their entire lives. Like something so happened to that believe. guy, and it would be really nice if somebody I you know like somebody <sighs> took him aside and went, hey, yeah. we need to have a lot of coffee and and kind of yeah. go backwards and figure out where you went wrong. Yeah. Wait, so why the, why anyone would think well, I mean because uh, just well, the color I, of people's skin how it in people's minds demarcates worth is weird to well me. here's even weirder it internalized racism yeah right? oh yeah but like here's the even weirder one uh, I went to Northwest Portland when Tom Metzger was on trial because oh. I was involved in the ARA the anti-racist action at the time and uh, we were staying in Northwest Portland and uh, there was a whole lot of black skinheads with us, and uh, we were on we were on a beer run, and uh, I was carrying the beer. I didn't drink beer. I don't know why I was carrying the beer, and I don't know why I ran with the beer, but uh, some because it's a it's a it's a black neighborhood, and so this dude comes out of the the store we were just in with a rake, and goes, "Hey, you guys are fucking Nazis, aren't you?" And the guy behind me goes, "No, I'm not a Nazi. I'm black." <laughs> and he says, no, you're a skinhead, so you're a Nazi. Huh. And swings it with them with the rake. Aww. He still goes, no, no, sir, I'm not. I'm a skinhead, but I'm black, so I can't be a Nazi. I'm grabbing him by the belt, and I'm pointing him because, like, I don't think like he you're cares. You're digging yourself <laughs> Him and the rake hole. don't care. He's yeah, going to put no, your... Well, you're declaring yourself as a black skinhead. Like, obviously, you're not going to be in the right place there. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think skinheads were popular uh, across the board. It was uh, not... Yeah, I ended up getting a brawl in front of... Say, you know what really sucks is when you're brawling somebody, like, you're beating someone up, because they're mad because you're racist, but you're not racist, but you can't let them beat you up, so you're beating. It's really confusing wow. place to be. Yeah, and then with the head tattoos, I'm sure that the police are going to get you first. I, at the time, I didn't have head tattoos, oh, okay. thankfully, okay. Like, but that apparently didn't matter. So that was a that was a journal entry right there. Well, <laughs> I always think, yeah, you, know, you just don't ever beat anybody up. Uh, uh, you know, hitting people, stuff like that. Yeah. It's all, it's it's all transfer of energy. It. Some people deserve it. Yeah. I, I, will, I never, but I can't. The thing is, I get if I get angry, I would never be able to beat anybody up because I know that they would call the police and then I'd be the one oh, with the assault I, charge. Yeah, I can't beat anybody up anymore either. That like that day and like I, yeah, I I actually I've been really like you know what what's really crazy? I've been really working on this. I just when something like somebody cuts me off, I just literally I just I don't do anything. I just, you just sit say with it. Namaste, I just no, I don't even say I, ju- I I'm not allowed to say anything. I just I right. Just let it go. It's really hard. Just breathe. Uh-huh. Oh, man, it's really hard. But you hard. take jujitsu, so you're like, you're literally, your hands are dangerous weapons, weaponry. Like, you can't, I've heard that once you've trained in the martial arts, like, you can't beat anybody else co- up because you could actually kill them, and you could no, be tried. No, plenty of dudes, plenty weapon. of black belts have just been, you know, plenty of black belts just brawl. Like, the, all those Brazilians, like, in Brazil, in... The mid 2000s, 
you couldn't go in a nightclub. You weren't allowed in a nightclub in Brazil if you had cauliflower ear. Oh, my God. And a God. lot of the dudes were growing their hair <laughs> long to cover it up because no they would just look at you and go, oh, you're going to start a fight. Well, and it goes two ways in Brazil because the other problem in Brazil is that they um, they steal people and then they cut off their ears and send them to their family so they know they're serious so they can extort them for millions of dollars. Well, cauliflower so it would be like a fingerprint. You but, could, well, like, it's, but that's, it's like the opposite. <laughs> so, like, one of the things, they don't let you in if you've got too big of an ear, but then you're – that's actually – thing they do in brazil and it's so funny because in brazil they've pioneered reconstructive surgery of ears from your own cartilage in your neck and stuff because uh-huh. so many rich people have been abducted and their ears have been cut well, off when you're sent wealthy in, the in brazil you don't actually ever step foot on a city street you helicopter around and anything you can't helicopter for somebody can go get you there's yeah there's uh, they have bulletproof cars and all that stuff but they there's no there's <laughs> dudes there's dudes you're here oh, that's yeah. it makes sense because like a finger i don't know what's better a pinky or your ear um i don't know i would go with you the know, pinky well, i gotta say i gotta say there i've lose known some it. brazilians in there. all right it's the end of sun call me tim i believe that we have shane kenny on the line you're psychic hey well, I called back cool yeah we've got uh, about 10 minutes left uh, you can Give us a little daily update on what's been going on in your uh, situation. Any new jokes? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, uh, this is, I don't know if this is a joke or an opinion, but I think raisins are just zombie grapes. Sure. Yeah, this is what lack of human contact is, your <laughs> sense of humor. You have just no litmus test. You're just like, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's English. Maybe they're grapes for, for zombies because they're, well, I guess they're not alive anymore. I mean, So, uh, another joke. Uh, okay. You, have, you ever ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Well, every time I ask myself what's wrong with me, a vo- another voice responds, a lot, actually. Because oh, you're gone schizophrenic? Oh, no, just sort of how you ever do something dumb, and you're like, oh, what's wrong with me? And then another voice will respond in my head, like, a lot. Oh. Okay. Anyway, how have you guys been? How's your day going? Who, me? I, I've been alone all day. No, I've just, I've been down here at the station, um... Had had some call-ins for some of my shows, which was great. Um, did some news. Uh, got to do, you know, just, it's a beautiful day. I, I feel remiss for not being outside, but I will be soon. I, I saw, um, it's very exciting that today is actually the, well, it's not Brainwash anymore because it closed in 2017, but um, Brainwash's anniversary was, was on April 1st, and so, uh, Tony Sparks is going to be hosting a Zoom open mic tonight, and I hope it's oh, not cool. a, I hope it's not an April Fool's because that would be a lot of fun, and that would actually <laughs> give me some impetus to stay here at the station because I can't really Zoom from my house. Um, anyways, they said it's going to be at like six o'clock, so that gave me something to look forward to because I love, love, love Tony Sparks, and um, I love, love, loved the Brainwash. I miss it so, so, so much, and uh, yeah. So that's one of the things I'm a little bit excited for. But no, nothing's I nothing is nothing is different. I wrote a new poem. I'm excited about that. Nice. Um and I've my sleeping schedule's been real funky. Like I've been having it's it's getting kind of wonky, but it isn't a big deal cuz I'm still you know, 
getting everything done I think that needs to get done like what needs to get done oh I went through um I cleaned my house a little bit I went through all of my drawers and I I went through all my clothes and I threw away clothes that I don't ever wear and I folded everything and I have like an extra drawer now it was very exciting nice <laughs> yeah so I, I'm like oh I didn't know I found all these t-shirts that I have a lot of motherfucking t-shirts but I found a lot of t-shirts and I was like this is exciting so new stuff in my old stuff and, cool. Uh, yeah, you know. And then my neighborhood is beautiful. Walking here today, the Tenderloin was just alive with people, which is crazy. And there were a lot of cops <laughs> out. And I didn't know if the cops were trying to force people to social distance, but the, it was it was that there was a huge line for the food bank. But there wasn't any six-feet distancing. No one gave a fuck. It was just like normal. Everyone was in line for the food bank stuff. And the Tenderloin's exactly the same as it always was. There's lots of people out. There was some really good music on the street, some super good funk, and I was, like, dancing down the street a little bit. Cool. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. I, I read something today about them saying that a, a, the best-case scenario is 100 to 220,000 Americans dead from COVID virus in the future. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. What kind I, of I numbers? Saw that t- I I saw that too, and I'm like, and and another point lost against sobriety. Well, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. There could be that many. That's like what? Well, I was also just thinking of it like this: of it. That's why this virus hit so hard everywhere else. Was you don't realize like you notice people were getting sick or anything in the U.S. They're just like, guys, you should start spreading out i just haven't seen any sick people though i'll be totally honest walking around the street a few people i don't know directly but you know know just we met at parties and stuff who uh tested positive for it how did they get the test why did they get the test because they because they were sick someone else they found out tested positive so they ran into the hospital but they weren't showing symptoms yeah so but that being said, I heard about, like, a 16-year-old in L.A. who died. Right, so, right. But if you're not showing symptoms, why would you get tested? I guess, should everybody get tested? So you know that you're not, that you don't, it's less likely you, you'll pass it on to someone. Right. Obviously, if you don't have it, you can't pass it. But if you do have it and you're not showing symptoms, then obviously you can pass it. Oh, I just can't imagine that 100 to 220, that, that those are the best case scenario numbers it feels like if they're releasing that information to everyone that's well, what i that's what are the numbers they're hiding me. from us to make us not panic i'm like that's like the n- number one goal is to be like hey let's try to limit the panic but if that's the number they're releasing right. wow it just feels like wow i didn't think it was i, I mean i didn't that's a lot of people so yeah yeah. Well, um, on a happier note, <laughs> what else is wh- – when are we off of – when do you get to – do you know when we get to all leave our houses? Is it April 7th or has it been has it been extended they for longer? Keep push, they keep pushing it back a month. Like uh, my campus said, oh, yeah, we won't know till May 5th. Okay. But even then when – like I said, if those are the numbers they're looking at, like China got this under wraps in – two and a half months and they have a 
you're going to do what we say or die type of government. Right, right. And America, and as we said before, America's motto is fuck you. Right, so sure. So that's why I'm thinking June. That's June at the absolute earliest. I kind of said it's going to take us four months for China's two and a half. So June or July, but yeah, that's. I I hope I'm wrong, but I'm just that's my my realistic predicament of in the next month or two, then people are finally going to stop going outside and doing all the BS because that's when it's going to get. Serious. Well, it depends how hard they lock it down because we still there's still a bunch of essential people. There's like, yeah, people that exactly. have to do and their jobs. And and what do you when do you when do you shut transportation down? When do you say no more public transportation? I haven't been using it. I've been walking because I'm trying not to, you know, I'm trying not to come in contact with people. So the bus yeah. is a pretty classic place where people are interacting in close proximity with one another. So I'm trying not to take the bus, but what do we i mean if that that means even more people out of work and more jobs that aren't essential and i just don't know what's going to happen with feeding ourselves and all that kind of stuff if they i i mean i can't well, well here's the thing that i because i, I kind of did the like social map on this like a week ago of cities can survive as long as there's food in the supermarket right. once that goes away it's you fight for food and eat each other or you go to another place. Well, what, but so, the thing too with the rent and what if, if they lock us down and we don't, can't make money, how am I supposed to pay rent? Like I have a small cushion for Mutiny Radio, but like if we have to keep this till June, how am I, I just, I mean, I guess, I well, guess they we said, just become, I think California said that there's like a rent freeze for the next couple months and oh, that's good. But then there, are we gonna still going to, do that but does a rent freeze mean that riot. I, a rent freeze, I don't know if that means that I still – if you freeze it, it still means I have to pay it back. It's like going into a freezer. So Yeah, and that's, I, and that's kind of the problem with it. So Right. I mean that's that's all – that's the scariest – I mean honestly, it's the only thing I'm scared of right now. I'm not afraid of dying, and I'm not afraid of well, other people dying. I'm afraid of losing Mutiny Radio. <laughs> like, and that's what Noam, Chom- like, Noam Chomsky just said this recently. He's like, yeah, the pandemic's a problem, but the economic BS and – that we're going to be dealing with is going to like last for a decade after this. Yeah. At least. Sure. Well, and you know, money is just little pieces of paper that float through my hands. And so oftentimes it's all just digital. It goes like they decide there's this number that goes to this place that like, it's so weird. Why not just decide that we all have these little digital numbers? It's. Oh yeah. That's the, that's the weird thing is, well, that's even the problem with basic economics is, they never take into account that all the money comes from buying and selling the Earth's natural resources. Right. So even the math problem they're starting with the value of money at is kind of fucked up to begin with. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, but we've always used, like, strange demarcations for value and worth, like puka sh- shells and stuff with the old, I mean, stones. And, and even when you look back to... We were minting coins out of gold and doing like people were passing things around in exchange for other goods, like long. I don't know. Yeah, and but that's the thing is it even sucks for the people who are going to survive because we have to. We're going to be helping each other through this jungle of politics and economics for the foreseeable future. You know. Yep. Because everyone's getting. Almost everyone's getting fucked over right now. 
Yeah, the rich people will get richer. Don't worry about that. If anybody was worried about that, don't worry. Uh, oh no, that's why I said like the rich are going to be the rich and famous will be fine. It's the people we know and care about that are going to be fighting it out for a while. Yeah. <sighs> but good times. Yay! We're all going to be okay or not. So, it's all good. Write a, write another song, be creative, don't be afraid. It'll all be over gotcha. soon. It'll all be over soon. <laughs> not in a bad way or maybe in a I don't know. I enjoy enjoy all the moments you have left. It's a beautiful day. My thing is hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Sure. I mean, I'm not prepared at all. All I have in my refrigerator right now is like a fucking half a thing of milk and a, a, a it's grapefruit. A it's not an accurate statement. A grapefruit, a two potatoes, a little bit of broccoli. I need to go shopping again. All right. Uh, Shane Kenny, thank you so much for calling in and giving us the update here on. Thanks for having me. Stay safe, y'all. All right. That was Shane Kenny. And this was the end of Some Call Me Tim. We got a couple updates. Everybody's alive. Everything's going to be okay. Or it's not. Who knows? I'm going to, you know, hopefully I get to enjoy some Zoom, 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 Zoom tonight with Tony Sparks. And maybe they'll, I can, you know, do the audio and play it here. Well, thanks for listening to Mutiny Radio. This has been Some Call Me Tim. Before that was the AltaCast. I'm Pam Benjamin. I'm holding it down, I guess. Holding it together, motherfuckers. MutinyRadio.fm. Give me some money at Mutiny Radio on Venmo. Or hit that donate button on the GoFundMe and say that free speech is important. Validate my dreams. Okay, bye. Morning and evening. Day. And nighttime too. For happiness is anyone and anything at all. That's love. was extra dark today as the sun dipped behind some clouds. But Oscar and his dog Crypto had made this trip many times before, so navigation was not an issue. Soon, they came to a bridge and gingerly stepped into its creaking mass of wood. As was his custom, Oscar stopped halfway across to stare at the shallow creek that flowed maybe ten feet below. It was at this point that Oscar realized that they were not alone. Coming from the other end of the bridge between them and their tuna fish sandwiches was Icky Larry Teeter. He was with three of his cronies that Oscar vaguely recognized and they were approaching quickly. Oscar considered his options, but there was really nothing the pair could do but hold their ground and hope for the best. The four of them, faster 
and stronger than any 12-year-old. We're all wearing big, unfriendly smiles. Oscar knew that nothing happy was going to take place on the bridge today. Doug the Bug lives in a rug. Doug the Bug lives in a rug.
Flat Black Plastic Mutiny Radio.fm, where we got the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival starting up tomorrow for the uh, alliterative 2020 year. First through the seventh, people, 76 national comedians together, 66 comedy shows, streaming, radio, podcasts. 10 in the morning, 10 night, Saturday, Sunday to Saturday, here at the station where you're supposed to be keeping it locked. Mutiny Radio. Got it, fam. <laughs> 